0: You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Life Repurposed. I'm so glad that you're joining me today because I'm about to have a really important conversation with somebody who wants to change the social media and digital world space. Daniel Darling talks with me this week about how we use our words online and how we can change our own behavior and make a difference. Could you use a little more kindness on social media? Would you appreciate less arguing and more objectivity? Well, that's what we're about to talk about. Now, we're going to mention some resources for you in this episode, including a freebie that Daniel has on his website. We're going to talk about the books that he's written. He has a newsletter. He's written I don't, it's probably thousands and thousands of articles that he's written, a lot of resources that I think would apply to everyday life. So I'm going to link to those in the show notes, and you'll find those at MichelleRayburn.com slash 79. And that way you'll be able to get all of the stuff that we talk about. So make sure you check out the show notes. If you're having a busy week and you just want to get the resources and you don't have time to even listen to the full episode, the show notes are there for you for that too. So, without further ado, let me tell you a little bit more about Daniel Darling and then we'll bring him on. Daniel Darling is Senior Vice President for Communications at the National Religious Broadcasters. He's also a former Vice President for Communications for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which is an entity of the Southern Baptist Convention. Dan is a best-selling author of many books, including ones for teens, he has ones on faith, he has books about Jesus, books about the characters of the Bible, related to Christmas, and now one for Easter. He has so many that you do have to go to his website to see all that he has. Today, we're focusing a discussion on talking about Away With Words, which came out in 2020. How fitting was that for 2020? Daniel is a person you definitely want to get to know. Okay, let's meet Daniel. Welcome, Daniel Darling, to Life Repurposed. We met, I don't even remember how many years ago it was, but it was at a writer's conference and I was a newbie writer just starting out. And I don't know where you were in your writing journey. Do you remember how many years ago you started?
1: I was a newbie too. I mean, I mean, here's the thing um, that conference right to publish, which, uh, you know, I, I was living in Chicago cause I was born and raised in, in Chicago and I was doing ministry there. And, um, you know, I, I had worked at a Christian organization doing writing for them as a young, you know, it was a great opportunity. I'm writing, like taking sermons down and I'm, you know, writing ghost you know, fun writing, uh, fundraising letters and I'm um, ghostwriting devotionals, but I wasn't doing my own writing. Yeah. And I, and I'd started to want to break out and just write for other people. This was back in the day when you had to send a sat- yeah. self-addressed stamped envelope to magazines, back when we had magazines.
0: Now you're making us sound old.
1: Yeah. And write to publish that. I didn't know anybody or anything. That was so big in my journey. I mean, I can't even tell you. I was able to meet editors meet with fellow writers. It also kind of helped me see the wide world of Christianity beyond yeah. my little slice that I was in. Um, And I built relationships there that are still yeah. paying off and gave me the confidence. And I learned stuff too, like how to write a book proposal, what editors need for articles. I mean, it was yeah. just huge. It was just, I, I can't even tell you how big it was.
0: That was where I got my start too. That was where I sold my first article for $10 and it started from yeah. there. Since then, your journey has been prolific. I I looked at all the books you've written. You have quite an archive of articles that you've written. So how, does, how did that evolve, your writing journey? It's not what we're going to be talking about on the show, but I'm really curious to know, where did you go from that first conference to where you are now?
1: You know, it's one of those things where I built relationships, and I was – that wasn't the, the kind of peak of Christian magazines. Websites were starting to happen, but you had folks in the family had a bunch of magazines. Christian Today had a bunch. You had Discipleship Journal. You had denominational publications, devotional publications. Uh, I wasn't even thinking book the first couple of years. I was thinking, I mean, I would literally, I remember subscribing to like the Christian Today magazines or getting the ones from Focus or whatever and being like, there's no way i'll ever be good enough to be in this magazine my what a dream that would be and then i just met editors and you know what i think was was key was i was willing to take on projects and and just see what do you, what do you guys need what would be good and then get some experience and then you kind of figure out what you like to write about and what your expertise is also you you kind of live life and have experiences you yeah. can draw from when you're 25 I mean, no offense, there's some really sharp 25-year-olds. You don't have a lot of experience to be able to draw from to be able to write stuff. You can have opinions. I mean, I had a lot of opinions, <laughs> still do. But So, you know, it's just kind of slowly building over time and the Lord opening doors and just walking through those. I mean, really, that's what you can say. Just, And, and I think a couple of things that were helpful for me that I encourage for writers. One, you know, taking assignments that you may not, think of, but that editor say, I need something on this, or I need something on this and just figure out a way to get it done Two, challenging yourself and saying, I'm going to stretch and I'm going to pitch myself and I'm going to do this. Some of that was economic because I would be sitting there with my wife, like, how are we going to do this? And I'm like, well, it's going to open that writer's market guide and I'm going to send a million pitches to people, throw them enough mud against the wall. Some of it will stick. Some of it did stick. Uh, Relationships are key to just building those and then being editable, you know, like, Understanding that article is not your magnum opus. It's not a, it's a big deal, but it's not really a big deal. So let people edit it and being the kind of person who could turn stuff around quick and fast and tight. And I just think that and it's the Lord opening doors. And, um, I, I'm a th- person who says, like, I, I, if God's put an opportunity in front of me to, to take it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I heard J.I. Packer say, I listened to his biography after he passed away and uh they said did you have a plan to do all this writing and being so prolific and he's like no people asked me to write and I wrote for him I was like okay that's kind of where I'm at I mean I have things I want to write on and I have ideas and I pitch stuff yeah. but you know what I'm saying and it's just the Lord just opened doors and then you just kind of build relationships and you get to a place where people are asking you to write and you have to sometimes you have to turn people down yeah. which is hard
0: Right. Well, one of the things that really makes you stand out in the crowd is that you are genuine in what you write about. So I've observed that when you write about something, you live it out. So for example, one of your book releases last year was Away with Words, and it was talking about how we use our words, especially online on social media. I've been observing over the last few months and you live out what you talk in that book. You use words in a positive way online. So that's what I want to talk about today today really getting into like what is the root of the problem <laughs> could we possibly diagnose what the root of the problem with social media is right now <laughs> if we could boil it down do we even know
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i hope i live it out and gosh i'm always like i wrote a book about this and am i actually doing this um but you know it's interesting i mean it's it's social media has opportunities and it has challenges I mean, ultimately, the problem with social media is us. It's it's us. I mean, out of the abundance of the heart, the, yeah. the mouth speaks or the, the, the fingers tweet, if you will say, or post. Um, but I do think there are sometimes perverse incentives that encourage us to be more divisive, you know, to call people out, to perform in a way like we feel like we have to make a name for ourselves by performing and calling somebody out. It's a flat medium. So we're not looking at each mm-hmm. other. So it's easy to look, to not see that person on the other side of Facebook or Twitter or whatever, as a human being, you just see them kind of as like these avatars right. that you're crushing, like you're playing a game. I also think we forget we're in public. <laughs> I mean, if you think about this, if you have, let's say you only have a hundred friends on Facebook, or 100 followers on Twitter, which is not hard to do, really. Imagine a room of 100 people. Would you talk that way? And then you're talking to somebody else, or you're calling calling out somebody else. Let's say, you know, now you have 200 people, let's just say minimum. Would you have that kind of conversation? Imagine you have 1,000 or 10,000. I, I just, so we forget we're in public, and at the same time, we kind of know we're in public because a lot of what we're doing is performance, mm-hmm. you know. I, I want to show this group of people I'm on the right side, and that means crushing this group of. And I think we're not to psychoanalyze it, but I do think we. One of the reasons we do it is sometimes we're insecure and we want affirmation from certain groups of people for the things we do, rather than resting in the knowledge that we're known by God and we know right. God, right? Uh, and this is even true on like Instagram or a place where we feel like we have to curate a version of ourselves that we find lacking inside. Like we're always, all of us are subconsciously thinking of what kind of image am I putting out there? And I think some of that's important, Mm -hmm. right? Like what am I saying in public? and what? But this idea of curating a version of ourselves that we feel is lacking in real life. And when we understand that God loves the offline version, the, the real version of me, not the curated version of me, Then then we are free, I think, to have better conversations online.
0: It does being real. Yeah. I I I love that idea of the separating out the curated version. So on Instagram, yes, I see that. But then I look at like Facebook has been a place where, well, now there's been kind of a mass exodus from there. So I'm not sure what you think about that. I've chosen to stay because I feel like I could be a voice (laughs) for truth and something positive there. But it has been a challenge.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's funny because my book, I try to actually be positive. One of the arguments I make is social media is here to stay, right? I mean, it's not going away. We're not going to suddenly all become Amish. We're not going to go back to the 1950s. This is where conversations are happening. So we just have to ask ourselves, how do we steward our words on here? What can we do? And I agree with you, like, let's endeavor to be in in the corner, in the space that we control. Let's try to be countercultural in the way that we use social media. So if all the incentives are toward nastiness, or going viral, or calling people out, or even among Christians, I think the incentives are, you know, I'm, I'm being prophetic right now. You know, everyone... Everyone gets up in the morning and looks in the mirror and sees, you know, Martin Luther, Dietrich Bonhoeffer with every tweet and everything they do. And it's like, eh, <laughs> not really. Get over yourself. But we can be countercultural and say, you know, I'm gonna be someone that encourages people. I'm gonna talk about issues. I'm gonna speak out. I'm gonna have conversations. I think you could have substantive conversations and arguments if you keep them civil and remember that the people you're arguing with are human beings. And that that person that has a wrong opinion. He may be wrong. Like I may disagree with them. That's not all they are. They're not there's more to them than that. So I think we have to actually sub, we have to consciously think like how can I bring joy to social media? How can I bring light?
0: You talk about navigating the the digital world with grace. What does grace look like in the digital world?
1: You know there's not a lot of grace. You know we live in a I really think we're more in an honor and shame culture than we ever used to be where I mean there isn't a ton of redemption there's not a ton of there's a lot of shame there's a lot of it's funny um I read a book by Dave Zoll called Seculosity he's a he's an anglican priest I believe and he said uh something like social the social media culture the shame culture has all the elements of Christianity with the grace sucked out so you have judgment, you have you have sin, you have everybody agreeing. This is sin. This is judgment. But you don't have any grace. You know, everyone wants to get their pound of flesh, and I think we have to be the kind of people willing to say, you know, I'm not going to participate mm-hmm. in this. I'll, I'll talk about things. I'll call things out, but um, I'm I'm going to not participate in a ritual sacrifice every day of you know, like I get up every morning and think. Who's going to be ritually sacrificed on Twitter? Who's going to say the wrong thing and just be the the scorn of some mob? And I'm not going to be that person. You know, I'm, I'm not going to participate in that.
0: So that brings up a thought that some, and I try not to use they when I'm talking about, you know, but I have observed there are some people who have said, I have an obligation to be a voice for truth. I'm obligated to speak up and say whatever needs to be, you know, like that blunt, almost cruel. Do you have a response when somebody says that?
1: Um, When someone's cruel or mean or something?
0: When someone says, yeah, I have this obligation to speak up for truth, even if it might hurt somebody else, and even if my truth might actually be incorrect.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, that's, I mean, I think for Christians, you know, Christians sometimes have this idea that as long as I'm on the right side, it doesn't matter how I say it. But one of the things I talk about in the book is actually God cares about the shape of our words. We are a um, speaking, we're speaking creatures, we're made in the image of God, because God is a speaking God. And uh, there's a lot that is to say about the shape of our words that, you know, you, you look at James three and Especially the bigger platform we have, the more influence we have, the more we have to really be wise about our words. Because, and this is why I think you know, the first part of James three, James talks about the sober calling of a Christian teacher. That just understand that when you when you are teaching the Bible, when you're known as a Christian teacher, it's a sober weight and calling. But then the rest of the chapter talks about the shape of our words. I think those two things yeah. go together. I think what he's saying is that leaders, what, what leaders do in moderation, their followers do in excess. So we're modeling for people how to speak. And so as Christians, I think we 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 not only care about being on the right side of issues, and I think we should speak up, and I think we should speak up. But the way we do it matters. You know, uh, 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says, have an answer for every person for the hope that lies within you. So speak to the issues of the age, talk about the questions, but do it with gentleness mm-hmm. and kindness. And this idea that civility and courage, they, they can go together. Uh, the loudest person in the room is not the most courageous. A lot of what we think is brave. You're brave. It's not brave. You know, you just, yeah. you know, you know what I'm saying? And so you don't have to be nasty because we're the people, we understand the end game that God, Christ is, defeated sin, death, and the grave, and so we don't have to use the tools of the enemy. That being said, there are times where we're going to be as winsome and kind and loving as we can be, but to be a Christian is at some point going to be at odds with the prevailing culture, and it's always been like that. So Jesus perfectly got, he he did this perfectly, and they Mm -hmm. killed him, Uh, Peter, and the apostles, did this better than we did. They got martyred for their faith. So we shouldn't be under the illusion that if we're just nice enough, people will like us. I think that's a a trap too. At the same time, I think this idea that as long as I'm punching the right people, I'm okay. It's not, that's not apologetics in Christianity. You know, I think we, we, we use kindness, not as a tactic. Like, Oh, I was kind. That didn't work. Let's, let's be a jerk again. No, we use kindness because that's the kind of people we are. You know, that's what God is called us to do.
0: I've noticed that even when you're super objective in your posts and you present sides of something that shows that you're analyzing it from two points of view, I've noticed you'll even have comments where somebody will accuse you of being liberal then because you're even looking at the other oh, side.
1: Yeah. It's so weird because, you know, I'll get accused one day. You're such a liberal. And I'm very conservative, which is so funny. Like. Theologically and politically, you're so liberal because you said it this way. And then the other times it's like, you're such a right wing fascist or whatever. And I'm like, okay. So it's just weird. People project that onto you. Um, you know, we're in a heated political environment, right? So I'll say, I've said this as long as I've been speaking publicly through many, many administrations. Okay. This guy's the president. Let's pray for him to do well. Let's agree with him when he does the right thing and disagree when he does the wrong thing. I mean, I said that for George W. Bush. People, oh, you know, you're you're just an you're just a right wing nut. Okay, I said that for Obama. Oh, you're a liberal. I Said that for Trump. Oh, you're normalizing Trump. I'm saying that for Biden. Oh, you know, you're you got to fight back. Mike. you know, it's just First Timothy two that. We pray for our leaders. People just get weird like that. I think what's happened is politics has become – politics is really important. I think it's good for um, – especially in our representative republic, it's good to help advance human flourishing. We care to love our neighbor. We have to be involved in, in politics to shape the communities around us. So it's good for that, It, it but it makes for a poor God, and I think people have – replaced religious fervor with political yeah. fervor. It's religious. It's team. It's, it's my team versus your team in a way that is so toxic right now. That's just unhealthy. Yeah, if
0: we could just take that passion and turn that into telling people about the love of Jesus and sharing the gospel, the, the church in America yeah. would be so different.
1: It would be. It doesn't mean that we should not right. talk about issues and... But it means you're exactly right. I mean, I heard an I heard a great interview yesterday with Tim Keller, and he just said, looking at all these different movements among evangelicals, you got this movement, that movement, and he said, "I just want to ask them, what is your plan for evangelism? You know, these are important things. But do you want to do you want to see people know Jesus? And that I think changes your approach. That you are going to stand up for things. We rightly should." but then you realize my main message is that you know Jesus has come to save people mm-hmm. right so it's it's a tarred balancing act and people have different callings right. and different responsibilities some have to need to be knee deep in politics some shouldn't i do think we've like christians we we like every day with our content we're catechizing ourselves in so much political content that we really don't need to be that much involved. Like we could replace a political podcast with a certain one or, (laughs) you know, like. Well, that's what you write
0: about, about being balanced. And one of the things you posted on social media said a rule of thumb for politics and for life. Don't be so zealous to criticize vulgar talk or behavior from politicians on the other side if you are unable to muster up criticism when someone on your side exhibits the same behavior. I think that's a really good way that you put that out there of looking at it like there are times when I've put a post up and I've realized later I shouldn't have said it I shouldn't have shared it I take it down Mm. I put a comment out there I've been practicing more pausing so I'll write the comment out in the notes in my phone and I'll leave it there for a little bit before I put it on someone's post usually I end up deleting it I never post it
1: that's a great habit by the way and I talk about that in a little bit in my book but you know, James says, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. I think in this age, we say everyone be quick to read the whole story, slow to post, slow to wrath, you know, uh, slow to digital rage. Um, And I, and again, I've posted stuff that I went back and said, you know, I'm going to delete that. It was a little too edgy. I don't need to be that guy. Or do I even need to post this? Or am I posting too much about politics all in the same day? Or am I, you know, like, just trying to think through what am I, what message am I sending? But I, it is good to pause. Um, I think one thing that's healthy. My my thing is the quality of your offline life. I think determines the quality of your online life. If you have healthy community around you and good friendships, I think it keeps you accountability for the what you do publicly online. So I have a text thread of like five five guys that were friends. We've been we've been doing this for like five years. All my hot takes are in that text thread that will never see, you know, the light of day. Hopefully, you know, but it softens yeah. the edges as we go back and forth. And then, you know, and or I'll say, should I tweet this? Should I say this? You know, just pausing and having the cooling yourself down is really, really good. And I also think, um, I, I tend to notice when somebody, and I don't know if you notice this, but when somebody's being really crazy online, I'm not saying having strong opinions. I'm saying really, really purposely crazy online with what they're saying. A little red flag goes off in my head and I say, what's going on in their life? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then you find out later that there are some things going on. You know, I have this weird intuition about that. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah.
0: That, it's always good to look at somebody as a human and realize that there's a motive behind what they're typing as well. So Dan, you have a free resource on your website and I will be linking to that in the show notes, but it's a chapter from your book. And in this chapter, you talk about six tips for how to read the news. I think this is really good content that's giving us some solutions for how we can conduct ourselves online. We won't go through it in super detail, but just kind of looking at some of the principles. So one of the questions you ask is, do I have the whole story?
1: Yeah, this is so important and m- really important now because, you know, our news is so, like we all get news from our little bubbles, you know, like news that agrees with with, with me. And I think we've seen that in the last even few months how, bad that could be where we're in this information bubble. And so I, I think we have to be wise and say, is this the whole story? Let's wait a little bit. It's okay to wait 24 hours to post or comment on something mm-hmm. to get the whole story. And we've seen this kind of across the political spectrum, right? I think of this kid at the March for Life a couple years ago Yeah, that Everybody thought he was saying something, but he actually wasn't right. And everybody crushed him, almost ruined his life. He's actually won a few lawsuits. Again, even some, again, some media outlets, you know, reporters get in it, and a lot of people, there's just this jump to, to be out there to say things. And I think we just need to wait, Um, get the whole story, read a few articles, you know, I mean, as Christians, we really should be concerned about getting the whole truth, not half truth. Yeah.
0: Along with that, you ask if the writer and the media outlet are trustworthy. But you also ask, am I willing to read news from a variety of sources?
1: Yes, which I think is important that we have a balanced news diet. Read across the spectrum. Um, so if you're conservative like me, don't just read from conservative outlets, um, right wing outlets, read from other outlets, uh, read from mainstream outlets or read even from folks that lean left just to get the perspective of what's actually happening. If you're a progressive, I would say the opposite, you know, read, don't just read in your bubble, read, don't just read mainstream right. news, don't just read CNN, read people on the right and uh Read widely, read trustworthy sources, and it's hard to know what's trustworthy, but um, I try to avoid the sensationalist type stuff, right? Um, If it's it's too good to be true or too bad to be true, it probably is.
0: Yeah, if my favorite news source says something negative about, say, even a political candidate that I support some people would say well then i'm done with that news source but i've been trying to train myself right. to say well if they're questioning that or they're saying that then maybe maybe i need to take this to heart and be willing to say i was wrong about that
1: yeah and you know i think one of the things we need to do is question our mm-hmm. biases so this is how we fall into like conspiracy theories or we half truths or half information if if a new story says something bad about someone I already don't agree with, and it confirms, we just have to ask ourselves: Is this something that is actually true, or is it something I want to be true, right? Or yeah, vice versa? That's good. I mean, if it says something good, I mean, if it's always praising people we like, or or like you said, um, this refusal to to see any negative in people we support, as if they're you know, sometimes we give our politicians a kind of a you know, a deference that we don't even give like right. people in our own lives or, you know, so don't just dismiss it because, okay, I'm done with that. They, they criticize the people I yeah. love like or whatever. So I, I just think we have to be, we have to question our biases that keeps us, I think from conspiracy theories and keeps us from like rabbit ho- trails. And, you know, is this, is this something I want to be true because it, it confirms everything I believe or is it just, is it actually yeah. Truth? You know, that way we avoid what what people call confirmation bias. Yeah,
0: right? in the book you talk about it as, am I willing to hear bad news about my own tribe? I, I think, you know, even
1: mm-hmm.
0: we can't assume just because somebody's a Christian that they always do the right thing. And so it's that scriptural concept of testing things out and, and seeing what's truth. Mm. Discernment yes. is a tough thing to develop, but we can do it over time.
1: Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, testing the spirits, testing what's true, and that's genuine Mm -hmm. discernment. Discernment is choosing between what's good and true and beautiful. I have a chapter on discernment. A lot of times what passes for discernment today is actually just tabloid gossip, you know, self-styled discernment bloggers trying to every day waking up, let's find out what this Christian famous person did wrong, or let's Let's try to catch right. them in this or let's not give them benefit out of here. And that stuff is really just no better than what you'd read at the right. supermarket checkout. <laughs> did you? Can you believe this person said this or did that? But genuine discernment is what's good, what's true, what's beautiful, what's false teaching, what's not. Um, when Paul actually urges Timothy to, to discernment, he always is surrounding those passages with His own humility, his own sinfulness, his own ability to make mistakes, you know, fairness, giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's not just let's go in and, you know, hatchet job with people. And it's really sad. I mean, I, I work at a couple of different Christian organizations and the stuff I would read that Christians would post about our organization that I knew Mm -hmm. wasn't true. Like we're, we're definitely open to criticism. And I was like, I could tell you criticisms. I like I, I would agree with some of them. But then the just right. untruths. And it's just like the willingness to ascribe the worst motives to people we disagree with, to Christians, it's really not good. I mean, the the love chapter, First Corinthians thirteen, says we should believe all things, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't be naive. It should be accountability, but you know, that cynicism is not a really good look for
0: Christians. Yeah, not at all. So for listeners, you'll be able to get all of this content in Dan's book. I'm not going to go through the entire list, but I, as we move into talking about the resources that Dan has to offer, I do want to leave this portion of our discussion with the idea that we are looking for constructive conversations, healthy conversations online. And that's the motive with all of this, that we're, we're looking for moving into something that is healthy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and how can we be different? We should not use the rhetorical tools of the world. You know, we should, we should, we should do things differently. And, and the Bible says, um, do good to all men or all people, especially those of the household of faith. So we should actually give the benefit of the doubt more to, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And sadly, you know, social media isn't really encourage that but it really is how we one way we can be countercultural
0: so let's talk about the book as we wrap up why did you write the book what inspired you
1: well really two things one as you know i've been working with words my whole life so ever since you know i've been a reader since i was like i don't know as as soon as i could read i was reading a lot you know we our family got three newspapers every day um, Chicago Tribune, Chicago Sun Times, Daily Herald, in Chicago, and then I read books, uh, I read biographies, I just read magazines, all that. I was, I was, always, I've always been an avid reader. I love reading. And then when I was in middle school, I had a teacher who told me, you know, after I turned in some assignments, you know, I think you got a gift of writing. Which, you know, when you're in middle school and you're awkward and clumsy and not very athletic. You know, when you find one thing you're good at, you're kind of like, okay,
0: I'm going (laughs) to run with
1: this. And I really have run with that. So I've always loved words. The Bible, as I mentioned before, is a book of words. You know, Christianity is a religion of words where God is a speaking God. He speaks words to uh, us. He's a God who has spoken to us. Um, And we're speaking creatures. And the Bible has a lot to say about the shape of our words. And then, so you, you have that part of it and then the other part of it is we live in this digital age where it's never been easier to publish which is exciting in many ways uh, the internet's helped my career in many ways discovering new people helping me to grow discipleship going to conferences being able to publish but it also means everybody can publish i mean within a few with a few strokes of the keyboard or taps of our thumbs we can send a message to the world and I really wanted to talk about how do we steward this moment. You no, know, this is not really a book about screen time. That's good conversation. It's just more how do we steward this moment? How do we steward this opportunity to um to speak?
0: The book title is Away With Words, Using Our Online Conversations for Good. And I'm going to have a link in the show notes for where you can get that from Dan. And you can find other books on his website. Before we wrap up, I also want you to talk about what just released because this podcast episode is coming out next week. So what book did you just release this week?
1: So it's called The Characters of Easter. I profile... 12 of the major characters in the, in the Easter story from, you know, Peter, and John to the women who are witnesses to Pilate, religious leaders, the Romans, who are they? Um, I really like character profiles. Uh, I did this for Christmas. I had a book called the characters of Christmas that people enjoyed. And so hopefully this will help people think about Easter, think about Lent season, think about the death and resurrection of Jesus kind of through the eyes of the people who were there. So I had a I had a really fun time writing it. Uh so it's available from Moody. You can go to any favorite retailer and purchase it.
0: Perfect timing so. for Easter. So where can people find you online?
1: So my website, DanielDarling.com, Twitter at Dan Darling. I'm on Facebook as well. Uh but yeah, you can go to my website and get that free resource, uh, how to read the news.
0: Yeah. Yep. We'll link to that.
1: And you can sign up for my newsletter too. So
0: I get the newsletter. I would encourage my listeners to get that because every week you're getting, well, even more than every week, you're getting content that you can apply to daily life. So that's good content to have. I've appreciated having you here with me today, Dan. Is there anything you'd like to leave my listeners with?
1: I would just like to encourage your listeners and uh, just tell them that, you know, we are living in crazy times, but, you know, Christians are, we're made for these moments. You know, we should not complain about the times we're in. We're made for this moment. God is at work today, just like he has been in every age. Jesus still saves. You know, God is not wringing his hands about the state of the world like we are. And he's at work, and Christ is uh, gathering history to himself. So we should be confident, joyful, and uh, just go with, go with the knowledge that uh, God is sovereign over all things.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for being here and sharing part of your day with us. Well, thank you. What a great message Dan had for all of us in something that we can apply in everyday life. Almost everybody who's listening has social media or an online presence of some sort. We have the ability to use our words in a way that builds people up, that encourages them, that provides them with hope, and helps them see the love of Jesus. So I encourage you to do that this week as you think about how you use your online presence and how media affects your life. Well, that's all we have for this episode. The one thing I'd like to encourage you to do is to go to the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 79 and there you'll get everything we talked about in this episode. I'd also like you to go there and look. You'll see a little link there called Buy Me a Coffee. There's something new that I have that I just announced. One opportunity is if you really like the show and you like the work that I've put into creating episodes and editing and putting all the info out there, you can simply give a small donation if you'd like to. Buy me a coffee. That's all it is. But there's also opportunities for ways that I can continue to serve you. One of those is through the opportunity to have a coaching call and you'll see on buymeacoffee.com slash Michelle Rayburn, which is also in the show notes, you'll see how you could potentially get that coaching call. There's also a monthly coaching opportunity coming up for groups who can get together and talk about some of the same issues that we cover here on the podcast. So I'd like you to check that out in case one of those would be helpful for you. I'd really love to be able to provide a resource that helps you in your own personal life. So it's a little longer episode, but I really loved what Dan had to say. So I hope you've stayed with me all the way to the end. Please tune in next time as we continue talking about how we can experience life repurposed. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends.